Okay, well, here we are, Scissors and Scrubs. And this is going to get released the day before. Where are we going, Lara? Paris. Oui, oui, Paris, mon chéri. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So excited. I'm so freaking excited. I know. We're recording this way in advance. Yes. But this will come out before we go to Oui, oui, Paris. So, so, so excited. In honor of our Paris trip, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about Paris syndrome yep. and the catacombs. Yay. So, Laura, take it away with the Paris syndrome. Shall we call you something frolish? Some frolish name? Like, yeah, like I learned mine in seventh grade. It was Lachach. Can we call you that this No, episode? it's disgusting. Lachach. It's terrible. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I did the Paris syndrome on LiveScience.com. That's where I got the information from. Mm-hmm. I really hope we don't get this. Okay. You're going to propose to me in Paris? Is that what it is? No, that's okay. not what this is. <laughs> A small, it's an STD? I don't know. Oh. A small percentage of the millions of travelers that visit Paris every year can experience Paris syndrome. It is not like a DSM diagnosis, like an official oh, diagnosis. Dime. Is this going to be like that weird thing you had, mm-hmm. the Jerusalem mm-hmm. thing? <laughs> but it is recognized as ex- by experts as a real phenomenon. It really happens. So Matthew Deflem, a professor of sociology at USC says Paris syndrome is most common among Japanese tourists. So we might let go. Random. <laughs> but also affects tourists. I mean, my from... father was raised in Japan. You think it might hit me? Oh, mate. Okay. Um, it also affects tourists from China, South Korea, and Singapore. So we're Asians. We're talking Asians. Mostly. Okay. Other people can experience, but it's but most, mostly thing. really with Japanese travelers. Um, Hiroki Ota? who's a Japanese psychiatrist that was working in a hospital in France, coined the term the Paris syndrome in the 1980s and even wrote a book called the Paris syndrome. Um, It was reported in 2006 that the Japanese embassy in Paris had a 24 hour hotline for those suffering from the syndrome. It was also reported that year by Miyuki Kasuma who worked in the Japanese embassy that there are around 20 cases a year of the syndrome I'm and, desperate to know what this is. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and it has been occurring for several years. That person also reported that the Japanese em- embassy had to repatri- repatriate at least four Japanese citizens in 2006. So, like, they were suffering so badly, they had to, like, yeah, you can't live here anymore. You have to go back and so live in Japan. these are people who are living in Paris. Yeah. Okay. Um, the embassy refutes both of these claims. The okay. embassy says, no, we never had a 24-hour hotline. And they also said they didn't Lies. have to repatriate at least four <laughs> citizens. So what is it exactly? Dying to know. Paris syndrome is a type of culture shock. The media and tourist ads portray Paris as this beautiful, romantic, intellectual city. Oh, I've heard a very dark with side of it. Models and yeah. fashion and art, and you know they like hype it up to be this romanticized place. Um, however, in reality, Paris is dirty, yep. unfriendly, and slightly dangerous. Mm-hmm. The difference between the Paris people dream up and the reality of Paris can be so jarring that it throws some people into a shock. Um, especially people from Japan, because they are used to a very clean, oh, absolutely. safe, yes. and friendly environment. Like, they they are not used to coming into something littered and dirty and dark like and rude. Yeah, like it, they are, like it throws them completely off kilter. And when people have high expectations and then are greatly dis- disappointed, they can... It causes a culture shock. The syndrome is characterized by acute delusional states, hallucinations, feelings of persecution, derealization, depersonalization, anxiety, dizziness, increased heart rate, sweating, nausea, and vomiting. 
Nausea and vomiting. Take mm-hmm. it while it's public. Mm-hmm. It's so filthy. Well, I think it's um, the anxiety. It's like an anxiety attack coming on. Um, it is a very complex psychic phenomenon phenomenon that has to do with disappointment and despair about the ways reality does not match romantic expectations. Oh. So, I mean, I see that because Paris is portrayed as like this romantic city and isn't it? Look at the architecture and mm-hmm. the women are so she, she and. Yeah, they were like, the women, like, you know, it's like you expect models to be walking down the street in high fashion. Like, that doesn't happen. That is not happening. No one's walking down the street highly fashionable. Like, <laughs> it is not like that at all. It's um, a girlfriend of ours went years ago. She took one of her daughters and I was like, so what did you think? She goes, it was, it was gross. Place is filthy and it's, they're peeing everywhere and the Parisians are horrible people. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. great. Can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> I think what we don't come from like a. Like, I didn't come from a friendly city. So. We don't come from a friendly place. I mean, I think we're nice, but we're not, like, super friendly. Right. So I, I don't think we'll be so delusioned. Right. Oh, God, no. No. But I think they must just be so shocked. They see it in movies and, like, right. you know, everybody's and, and around in dresses. And... Ridiculously clean. Like, ridiculous. Oh, Japan. Yes. Japan's yeah. ridiculous. Not that I've ever been there, but what That's I hear, what they like, they're the cleanest things going. Yeah. So well, that is Paris. And... I don't think we will get it. So maybe part of the reason Paris is so filthy dates back to their burial grounds and the overall state of the city mm-hmm. leading to the catacombs oh good so i one of my top attractions that i'm desperate to see mm-hmm. in paris is the catacombs i have seen the pictures of them like my highlight's going to be the fucking catacombs <laughs> i cannot i fuck the eiffel tower i would like to see Notre Dame, but that's going to be closed I want a couple of baguettes and some cheese, but I really want these catacombs. I want like, wine, coffee, and a cigarette. That's going to be my highlight. I don't highlight. Eat cigarette. I don't drink coffee. Wine's going to give me a headache. Cheese. Oh, God. I could eat my weight in cheese, mm. man. Grapes. Some grapes. Oh, yeah. Strawberries. Chocolate. Grapes. Mm. Can't do that. Mm. All right. Here we go. Catacombs. Sidious Paris has its earliest burial grounds on the outskirts of town. Okay. On the left bank of the city during Roman times, like mm. 4 AD, 5 AD. Okay. Paris has been around for a long, a long time. time. Um, eventually, they give that up. They move to the right bank. I'm assuming it's split between two rivers when they say left and right bank. That's that's what I'm going with. Um, I don't know. I've never been to Paris. We'll figure. I it. think it's just of the one river, the left bank of the river and the right. Maybe bank Maybe they of the cross river. over the river and going. Yeah, you know those little bridges. Mm-hmm. We'll find out. All right. So they start settling. Around 4th century, they're building it up, building it up. They're settling actually around a church called St. Etienne Church. Now, you're going to have to forgive me because there's a lot of French names in here and I don't mm-hmm. speak France. I don't speak France. You know, I, yeah, I got that. I don't speak France. No. Okay. Barely speak English. <laughs> so, behind the church is where they start with the burial grounds. Yeah. Makes now, sense. Right. So, most cities would normally bury their dead on the outskirts of town. Now, Paris, we're going to bury them right in the middle of the fucking city. Mm-hmm. And you got to figure, I mean, it's a big, big city. You know, plague, mm. wars, mm. burying a lot of people yeah. in these fucking burial grounds. Okay. So, um, they're burying them in the cities. And the most central and biggest of the cemeteries is the Saints Innocence. It goes on to this big, long fucking name. I'm shortening a lot of these names because I don't speak France. <laughs> okay. So, in 1130, it becomes Paris. Paris. Laura, I really... Barely it's English. not even cold medicine. No. Um, Paris's biggest cemetery. I did put my apostrophe after the S because oh, well, that I might didn't be ask, so. so it becomes Paris's biggest cemetery. 
by the end of like by 1199 it's overflowing already we got another 600 years to go with the cemetery yeah. and it's already overflowing 1199 i can't even fathom like that date 1199 i know <laughs> okay i just i can't so to make room um, for more bodies, mm. they're literally just dumping them and dumping it. And so it's becoming a bigger and bigger and bigger mound of bodies in the middle of the city. Mm-hmm. It eventually ends up um, by the 18th century to be like two meters high, which is, I don't know, like how many meters, but it's it's a it's a high mound, it's a mound. of, mound of bodies, bodies that are probably like 20 deep. Um, and they're also taking some of these bodies and they're taking the bones and they're packing them into the roofs and walls of what they're calling charniers, charniers. Um, they're like little mausoleums, but they're putting, they're packing it with bones and shit because they're just trying to make room and they're packing it in the walls of these cemeteries. Of the mausole- yep. mausoleums. So by the end of the 18th century, there's a two meter high mound of dead people at St. Innocent's as well as all these other burial grounds in the city. But the St. Innocent's is the biggest one. Um, like I said, there's people from the plagues, people from the war, eventually people from the um, revolution end up in there. And it's completely fucking overcrowded, dilapidated. It's disgusting. Mm-hmm. All of these cemeteries in the city are really disgusting. Under the city of Paris are tunnels. So mm-hmm. Paris, if you look at the buildings, it's a white city because it's built with limestone. There was a shitload of limestone. It sits on a, like a bed of limestone. Mm-hmm. In, like, 12th century, they were digging, they had these really rudimentary mines, and they were digging all the limestone and taking it out. But basically, it just consisted of, we dig a well, we dig tunnels of limestone, we pull it all out, and we let it collapse. Mm -hmm. So, eventually, they stopped mining outside of the city, but it leaves a complete system of tunnels that are uncharted and forgotten about under Paris. So, in 1774... These mines are causing cave-ins around mm-hmm. Paris. That's why Paris doesn't have a lot of skyscrapers, because you can't build on top of these things or collapse them. So they're having a lot of cave-in around the city. So Louis XVI starts a um, commission to look at the mines and keep Paris from collapsing. And it was like a big deal, this commission. It had police were involved, and they're going down into the mines. They're charting them, they're mapping them, mm-hmm. and they're fixing what they can down there and renovating them to keep the city from collapsing into the mines. On May 31st, 1780, a basement wall that is sharing a wall with the cemetery, St. Mm. Innocent's Caves. Here comes all these bodies. The whole mound flows into comes into, into the basements of these homes and stuff. Exactly. <laughs> like skeletons, half-eaten bodies, rats. God the fuck knows what was in this thing. It collapses into the uh, adjoining buildings and they're like, all right, nobody else is getting buried here. We're, We're done. done. This one is done. So they officially close the cemetery in 1780. No more, no more burials. So they're like, what the fuck are we going to do? We, we can't keep all these cemeteries open. Like, what are we going to do with these bodies? So the head of the commission, Alexandra, Alexandre Lenoir. That's mm-hmm. what we're going to go with. Lenoir. I like Lenoir. Okay. Said, why don't we start moving them into the catacombs? Uh, they weren't even called, we'll move them into the tunnels underneath. Mm-hmm. And... They're like, that's a great fucking idea. Yeah. Let's move into the catacombs. So it's decided to further renovate. They call them, I'm going to call it tomb, but there's an E on the end. Mm-hmm. Iswa. I-S-S-O-I-R-E. Iswa. Mm-hmm. As an underground sepulcher. 
Does that sound right? Yeah. Yeah. You know what I meant, right? Yeah. Like a, a holy ground underneath. Yeah. So in 1785, a law was passed to stop moving the burial grounds to these underground tunnels. So on April of, April 7th, it's official. Like they find a piece of property that's near these cemeteries that's walled. Because they don't want everybody seeing what they're doing. Because mm. this town's going to get pissed and the church is going to get pissed, pissed that you're desecrating these bodies. So they get a wall and they dig a hole into the tunnels. And they start April 7th emptying them down. So it's cart after cart after cart of black, black draped wagons. And they're just dumping fucking bones down this hole. Oh my god. Two million <clears throat> bones oh god. of people go down these holes. Um, And it starts moving from the Saints Innocence to the Clause de la Tomba whatever. I don't <laughs> speak French. So it takes two years to move these millions. Two years. Two years because it's not just this cemetery. There's other cemeteries and there's millions of people. Imagine how many, I mean, yeah, from, how many for people died years. just from yeah. the plague, yeah. you know? All right. So they move it from St. Innocence. Two, mini, two million are moved. Um, so there was over 600 years of bodies in there. Two million people are moved out of there. The Aransi's Cemetery, those are the victims of the French Revolution that end up in there. Notre Dame de Blanc, Montau. Um, it's the oldest. Is that the right? No, Saint Etienne de Gras is one of the oldest. Mm -hmm. The Notre Dame de Blanc, Montau. Why can't they just call it one fucking thing? Um, it's also emptied into there. So at first, they're just dumping them, haphazardly dumping them into there. Mm -hmm. And it's these bones are piling them up and everything. So. In 1810, Louis Etienne, it's a big name. It is. That's what I'm going to call it, Etienne. Um, Hericot de, I can't pronounce his last name, Thurry. He's the director of the commission at this time that's going through these mine services. And he's like, let's do something with these bones so it can be like a visiting, um, you can visit this. Mm -hmm. And it's a, a visitable mausoleum, that's what he called it. So he starts directing people what to do with the skulls and the femurs and the bones. And he's also taking gravestones and other decorations oh, from decorations. the cemetery and using them in these elaborate walls in these catacombs. Mm -hmm. So he um, he has a room that shows, like, and among these catacombs, there's a room that will show you all the minerals that you can find under the city of Paris. Mm -hmm. And there's also a room that shows you all the abnormalities of the bones that they oh. were finding. Like, mm -hmm. oh, this one's got club foot. This one's got a mm -hmm. fucked up head. Excuse me. Um, do, do, do. He added, um, they, everything's in French, so I get, he, he added like walls with monuments. He added archways with like scary writings on them to mm -hmm. kind of add a little intrigue mm -hmm. into this whole thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, and to ensure the safety of the visitors, because these are miles and miles and miles and miles and miles of catacombs. They walled off a lot of the catacombs. Oh, okay. Um, you can't get lost. You can't get lost. But, comma, mm -hmm. in 1793, Filbert Asper, who was a doorkeeper to the tomb of the Vol de Grasse Hospital, got lost in the catacombs. They found him 11 years later. <gasps> His body bones are buried where they found him in the catacombs. Lovely. Um, in 1809, the catacombs are open to the public by appointment only at the time. Napoleon went down there. He thought it was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. uh, the future King of England, Charles X or something, had gone in. The different dignitaries from around Europe mm -hmm. had gone in. 
And they also had like a register there so that people could come in and tell you what they thought about the catacombs. I don't think I want anybody telling me about my work of art because yeah. one bad review, I'd be like, fuck you. Yeah. So, um, and it becomes a huge, huge attraction mm-hmm. to Paris. During World War II, the French Resistance used the tunnels for headquarters and that eventually led to the uh, taking back of Paris in June of 1944. Mm-hmm. 2004. <laughs> police, I don't know why the police are down in the catacombs. They come in. There is a full movie theater in the catacombs. Oh. Like, Seats, screen, film, sound, stocked bar, like a full fucking movie theater in in the middle of these catacombs. And no one noticed this. Somebody, with all the- I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was like a speakeasy down in the yeah. catacombs, but there was a group that took um, credit for having been the ones to do that. So today the catacombs are open daily, mm-hmm. as we will go. Mm-hmm. And it's open because at one time it was only open... Um, periodically like you could go in the fall you go in the spring but you couldn't go all year long now you can go all year long whenever you want yada 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 there you go nice is the movie theater still there i don't know but that would be pretty cool (laughs) see scary movies down the catacombs couple of skulls watching over your shoulder i can't wait i cannot wait to see it i can't even i don't like i showed sam pictures he's like what i'm like yeah it's like i think you get that it's like dead bodies but then when you see it it's like an overwhelming amount, amount of like dead mil- bodies. Two million from one cemetery. Yeah. It's a lot of dead That's bodies. a lot of dead bodies. Made and into like, like pillars. Yeah, like yeah. just, they had one thing, it, it's round. Like it must be, a, um, you know, holds the roof up. <laughs> Some kind of support. Yeah. But it's round and it's nothing but skulls. Does around. I mean like a pillar. Yeah. It, yeah. 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 I, yeah it's I just think it's going to be just awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be unbelievable. But like, it's kind of sad because you don't know who they are. No, just two million people. It's just two million people. So you can't go visit grandma, great grandma, anybody. No. The I mean, all those people's great grandkids are long dead. Oh, I'm sure, but yeah. you know, the revolution's not that far past. It's only a couple hundred past. Oh, just a couple hundred. Just a couple hundred. Yeah, it's like that's, a great. That's like a great far. great. You know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's like a great great. Seems like a long time. I think it'd be kind of cool. So. um... The next time we record after this, we will be back from Wee Wee Perry. Yeah. And I'll tell you if either one of us ended up with Paris syndrome. My expectations are not that high, so no, I, I doubt. I, I don't think so. I'm going in with eyes wide open. Yes. I did hear it's crime ridden. Somebody pickpockets me. Somebody's dying. I'm yeah. not going to lie. Somebody's mm-hmm. dying. I'm going to kill them. I'm just wearing everything under my clothes. I remember another nurse we work with saying she went over there and she was in a cab. And the cab in front of her, somebody smashed the way they came mm-hmm. out like from the overpass. Smashed the window, took the guy's computer right out of the cab. Oh my God. So we have to be very careful. Yeah. Sounds great. I don't know why there's so much crime, though. They're not, like, poor. I don't know. Like, I understand it in poor countries. Why, yeah. You know, but I, why there? I don't know. Somebody's going to steal my identity. What? Yeah. It's coming. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to be just fine. Nothing's going to happen. So. All right, Wee Wee Perry. This was a short but sweet episode. Yeah. Uh, we love you all. Yeah. Send in some ideas. We love them. We love to hear them. Mm-hmm. And um, we will see you on the flip side. Get yeah. near spring. It's much. Get near spring. Yay. Bye. Bye. Like, subscribe, rate, and review the Scissors and Scrubs podcast on whatever podcast app you listen to us on. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Scissors and Scrubs. And email us any of your stories or thoughts to scissorsandscrubs at gmail.com.